This podcast is brought to you by Hello Future. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, expand your patent portfolio, create amazing new profitable products and services, or effectively project manage to market? Then contact us today, hellofuture.co, and get started. I'm going to move over. I, I usually take calls from my studio, but I'm going to move over here so you have a better background. See if I can. Nice. I love it. Let's see if I squeeze I love it. Here. I was supposed to be in Vegas this weekend. My youngest turns 21, but it, 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 it would, couldn't happen. We couldn't make it happen. Yeah. Well, we're hoping that all of you guys make it happen again soon. <laughs> we want I it to happen. Vegas, man. I, love the, I love Vegas. Yeah. I don't think I want to live there, but I love visiting. <laughs> I love it as well. I've been here five years, so it's nice. been a, a good thing. So how are you doing today? You're doing I'm good? I'm great. <laughs> you look excited, I'm, I'm, you're happy, you got a smile. I love happy people. Back to back Zoom meetings, man, well, you gotta be happy. <laughs> you do, you do. <laughs> you gotta be happy when you're meeting new people and uh, and talking innovation and new stuff. And yeah, I love definitely. it, love it all. Definitely. I'm excited. I love this stuff. So it's a great thing. <laughs> More so the merrier. Yeah, you're the chief innovation officer of Vegas. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm the yeah, chief nice. innovation officer. So I nice. just to give you a quick background. You want to record? You are recording. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's why I forget. That way you got it. You can go back and edit. Um, <laughs> but uh, no. So I run the innovation types. So I work a lot with uh, economic development teams, um, mm -hmm. trying to bring companies to Las Vegas. Um, you know, there's a lot of exodus from our friends to the West and, and we're trying to capture some oh, of that. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm a USC and uh, Pepperdine guy. So I'm just South of Stanford there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I grew up in California all my life. So, but, um, you know, the, the point is really trying to highlight, um, the opportunity that Vegas has to offer for a lot of companies. Um, mm -hmm. so we do a lot of that. Um, we also, I am in charge of, I'm also the CIO, so I'm the chief information officer. So I run the day-to-day -day operations of the city's technology portfolio. So kind of a dual role. Part of it is bringing new technology um, to help um, create efficiencies, uh, to help drive new opportunities. And that kind of folds into economic opportunities um, as well as, um, you know, standard smart city applications. Uh, autonomous vehicle technology, things that help the community as a whole. Um, right. But right now, you're just really focused on driving uh, economics. So trying to bring in new companies, diversify our, our economic portfolio, um, really work for the citizens and help them have a, you know, a, a choice in the future. It doesn't have to all be hospitality, um, love hospitality, but there's other opportunities out there for our citizens to be part of. And Huge growth we see in aerial vehicles, um, whether they're, um, uh, we've seen taxis by Uber or delivery drones, you know, a lot of, lot of upside. And there's really not a state right now or a region in the U.S. that really is considered the drone or UAV capital. And we're trying to, you know, part of our energy is, is move towards being that city and, and that great state that we live in, Nevada, as being that opportunity. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Well, do you know Jonathan Reichenthal? Like, I sure do, I sure do. 
I worked with him uh, when he was the um, CIO in, in Palo Alto. He's so. one of my heroes. I mean, that guy puts out. I don't know how he. I don't know how when he sleeps. I I, I always want to talk to him. He's got. He had wine tasting um, podcast for a while. Um, he wrote a smart city book. He he's 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 everywhere. It's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, he's just, awesome. he's great. And he was a professor part adjunct professor part time. I mean, I, I just don't know when the guy. You know, my hair is receding. He's on about clones. That's the yeah, only thing. It must be digital twins. He was on. I mean, he's he puts out. I don't know. I don't know how he does it. He's incredible. He's an incredible man. <laughs> yeah, digital twins. That's that's got to be the way it is. You know, I love. I so. What's this? This whole coronavirus thing, on the one hand, is is like bad, but it's also good because it basically means that you can work from anywhere, right? I mean, oh, it's it's you don't even go it, into an office anymore. No, I, I mean, spend it has eight hundred thousand on a on a postage stamp sized apartment in San Francisco when you can get like an enormous oh, mansion in Vegas, right? I mean, look what you have. You have you have. I mean, I've always said California, great opportunity, great state, born and raised there, so always very partial to California. But you have all the luxuries. You always looked at Californians having the best amenities, um, mm -hmm. some of the best um, culinary establishments, some of the best in, in – and you almost named any vertical Californias there. And I think now, I mean, Las Vegas, we have we have a great you – know, there's what other culinary area can you go to that has the breadth of restaurants we do? Oh, yeah. um, the accommodations for well, – well, you said the pandemic right now, not the best for conventions. But, you know, if you need conventions, it's going to come back. I mean, it, it's not going to be this way forever. Oh, yeah. And so we have a lot to offer. And then when you talk, add on top of it, no personal income tax um, and That's property values. And, That's yeah, it's huge. And property values that are that are are considerably less than California. Now we're here in Nevada are already saying, "Gosh, it's expensive." Um, you know, it, and it's and it's half of California's cost. So <laughs> it's all relative. But um, you know, we're getting a lot of remote workers right now. We have had we did a remote work campaign. Um, did a lot of uh, marketing specifically to the great golden state mm -hmm. uh, to convince people to come to the silver state. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of it on remote workers. Why, as to your point, why do you need, it doesn't matter where you live now. Now you can live in an area that um, you have a lot of outdoor opportunities, you have amenities. Um, and if you need to go to, to another state, we have a great airport. So we have a lot of the things, you're not tied to the physical brick and mortar corporate building anymore. And yeah. so for the pandemic, I think long-term, the way that ideas have shifted and modern work is shifting lends itself well to the Las Vegas story. So we're, we're truly excited about the opportunities of bringing in a lot of new ideas and thinking into our great community. Yeah. And you guys have the, the great weather too. I mean, that's the, that's the one key thing for me is that I don't want to live someplace where there's weather. I've, I've had enough weather. <laughs> It, you know what? It's funny you say that because yesterday it snowed in Las Vegas. We oh, had no snow. way. <laughs> it's only happened, I've been here five years. It's only happened twice, um, but it lasted for one day. The snow is oh. gone today. It's back in the 60s and it's, you know, it's back to what you would expect Las Vegas to be. Warm right. and beautiful and, you know, great air and, uh, you know, it's a great climate. It really yeah. doesn't, you know, I don't mind. Do you guys have a lot of like startup incubators starting there? I mean, the only company I know of that's out of the you is Zappos. Is there anybody else there that you know, people might not know? Yeah, I mean, we have. So the city itself created an incubation process, and we call it the International Innovation Center at Las Vegas. It's downtown. Um, mm -hmm. It houses uh, right now about 17 companies, um, everything from companies that are doing um, uh, we, pill pack, basically providing distribution of, of medicine to 
uh, nursing home, almost like the Amazon uh, style, but specifically targeted to uh, senior living facilities and mm. other types of medical communities. Um, we have some cybersecurity firms that are startups um, around uh, credential security. Uh, we have Wi-Fiber, one of our uh, big successes. They won Best of CES a year, and a, a year ago, uh, right. but they make a street light that um, has, now it's not just a street light, it's actually can be, has 256 colors in it, so you can change the light, you know, colors yes. of your street light, but it also has an air quality sensor, a speaker, so you can play music, um, really cutting edge technology there. Um, and then we got Ubiquia, a wireless company. Um, again, exploring a lot. We're big in the wireless and 5G. Um, we'll talk about that maybe later. We'll get a question on that. We'll talk about our private network we launched. But, uh, nice. you know, we're, a lot of ours are smaller companies. Zappos, you mentioned, is a larger one um, of the tech companies. You have a lot of Amazon infrastructure here for distribution. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Las Vegas is a major distribution hub for the West Coast. Oh, uh, a lot of trucking. Well, based on the position of Nevada, if you think about it, below us is Arizona. We have California large market. We have North Colorado, Idaho, um, and then Utah. So all of that's within a day's trucking type capacity. So, you know, it, it, it is a major region for transportation of, of goods and services. Yeah, you're making it really sound compelling, man. I, and I, I do love the weather. So <laughs> I gotta, we're gotta, ready for you. Yeah, we'll, we'll help you out. We'll help you out. <laughs> You can get you can get a beautiful house. Just give you a quick idea. You could get a beautiful, I would say, between thirty five hundred and forty five hundred square foot house for four fifty to five hundred or four to five hundred thousand. Wow. Fantastic! Um, and you and throw you're in like a pool an away from from anywhere. You, know, you just jump on a plane and you're here. Like and you are literally anywhere in Las Vegas. It's about a half hour drive to the airport. Yeah. Doesn't matter where yeah. you know. And you could be anywhere in the valley. Um, we have a lot of great cities, a lot of great communities, but the, the airport is very close by. Um, it's a beautiful airport, good capacity. Um, and and you, you have uh, options to go skiing in uh, Utah. It's only an hour and change away. You have Mount Charleston locally. Um, nice. And all the way, then you have Lake Mead. So people ask, well, there's no beach. One of the things I always hear is there's no beach. Yes, there, there is a beach here. You know, there's no waves. It's not connected to an ocean, but we have Lake Mead, which is a large yeah. body of water. You can do all types yeah. of stuff there. But so. you know, the reality is people want to be close to the ocean, but they never actually use it. It's seemed like you, it's like, oh, you know, oh, I, I, almost everything. In the last 20 years that I've been here, like where, how many times have I gone to these places, right? I worked for the city of Oceanside. I worked two blocks from the beach. I was there 16 years. I think I visited the beach three or four times. Yeah, I love Oceanside, by the way. That's a really nice town. That's oh, beautiful, beautiful city. Not as good as Vegas, but it, it's up there. It's up there. <laughs> well, I love the concept of innovation zones. See, one of the things I think that we've done, we've stopped doing a lot of is um, taking the risk, right? Do you remember like at the beginning of the last century, we had, you know, uh, Wilbur and Ova, right? You know, or all these people trying to figure out how to fly and people were getting, you know, hurt and killed and all that stuff. And, and it was all in, the, in, 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 you know, progress is mind, right? So I almost want to say, let's create these innovation zones where like local laws are lifted or something like that. <laughs> you can do whatever you want in there. And that's what we have. Go that far, yeah. but, I mean, no, we don't want anybody to get hurt. But uh, in 2016, in March of 2016, we created the Innovation District, which mm -hmm. is, um, if you're familiar with the Fremont Street area, um, yeah. it's all of downtown Las Vegas, the true, the true original strip. And right. in that zone, we launched a first autonomous vehicle. So we had it actually driving in mixed flow traffic. Um, that, is our, that is our laboratory there. We uh, are doing um, uh, autonomous deliveries with uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, prior to the pandemic, we had a company called Active, 
which was partnered with Lyft. And you could actually uh, obtain a, um, a, a driverless uh, Lyft in downtown Las Vegas or throughout all of the Las Vegas Valley. Um, in cooperation, it was uh, at the time it was BMW and Lyft working together. Now it is uh, Hyundai and Lyft. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but we have those vehicles, over 75 um, of those vehicles operating pre-pandemic. Um, as soon as the pandemic kind of heads downwards here, we'll have them back. Um, and we also have, uh, we've also just recently, the city of North Las Vegas launched uh, drone deliveries uh, in a partnership with Walmart. So we use this innovation district area to really, almost like you said, it's, it's back to the days of, of Orville and, and, and the Wright brothers, you know, testing technology. Um, no different than Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier. Um, yeah. He did that in the desert too. Wrong state, but he did that in the desert area as well. So, you know, again, it lends itself to that's the kind of innovation and thinking. We're doing the Innovation District 1 to further our, our amenities and our community's ability to have the things they want. But we're also doing these innovations to, to bring companies here to say, you can do it. Yes, you can here. You can do it in Las Vegas. Other states might have regulations in, in this cloud of, of, of ways to prevent you from growing. But what makes this country and what makes this state so great is our ability to look past those and allow people to become that true entrepreneurial individual. Yeah. And I love the fact that you also have, you know, people, people coming in and out, going through the place. I mean, if you think about design thinking, you have to get into their the people's minds and figure out what they really want. And, and what do you, you've got people from all over the world, you know, outside of pandemic times coming to Vegas and being able to tap that sort of brain trust of humanity too. No, you've hit it on the head. I mean, where you go around the world and when you say Las Vegas, people know, doesn't matter what part of the world you're in, someone in the group has heard of Las Vegas. And so, yep. you know, it has that worldwide recognition and it, and it brings in diversity, all types of people with ideas and thought processes um, coming to one location for entertainment and for business. So it's, it's, it, it's great. Very cool. Very cool. So we were, when I was talking, when we were, I was working with Jonathan, he was, we we're all about smart city and smart city strategy and where smart cities were going. And, and we did some analysis of what other smart cities were doing and what Palo Alto might be doing. Where, where are you guys on that? I mean, are you already there? Are you, do you have a plan? Where, where, we, we, where have, we have got? some plans and ideas. Um, you know, it's an evolving target. It's never, it's never, you know, you put something together today and in a month, it's completely different. So uh, about a year ago, we were focused on a lot of autonomous vehicles and travel. All of a sudden, no one wanted to be cramped into a small autonomous vehicle with the pandemic. So, you know, we've switched. We, we still have that on the back burner, but right now we're really working on private wireless. So we mm. launched a uh, private wireless network to kind of break the digital divide to um, connect students directly to their school from their home. Um, with the pandemic came remote school. A lot of our um, children um, or students in certain areas had no access to connectivity. So we built a private cellular network. Um, we call it private, it's private 5G. Um, and we put a modem in the student's house. The modem's about $100. And we're able to provide 25 megs down and five megs up connectivity. So they're able to attend school um, they're able to continue to learn and email. They don't need to walk down to the 7-Eleven in the evening to get internet since they didn't have it at home. Or, or imagine doing your homework and you can't, you have to do all your homework prior to Sunday because Sunday the library is closed. So you have no way of uh, connecting. So we built this private network out and now we're looking at, you know, how do we take it to the next level? How do we, it's great for students, but now we can hang other IoT technology off of it. So it's really now about, you know, how will we take this technology and just better the community overall? So a yep. lot of exciting things happening, but yet nothing's stopping. It's just actually been accelerating during this pandemic. I mean, the, the needs yep. of technology have just 
exponentially increased. Yeah. Well, my son goes to Davis and uh, he just texted me the other day saying that, well, they, you know, they're, they're, they're out of power and they can't do anything. And it's like, how, how do you do remote <laughs> school when you have no power? Yeah. I mean, do you guys have your own power grid there as well? I mean, you... So we do, we have, we do, um, so we're one of the only cities in the U.S. that is a sustainable city. So all the power the city actually consumes, we generate back. So mm. we have solar uh, solar on our, uh, some of our buildings um, to capture. I mean, you know, again, it's a great place to be in solar. Um, sun is, you know, almost 360 days a year, exactly. there's sun. So, um, but we do, we don't, we don't, um, there is a separate utility that handles power but we do do a lot of sustainability work. Obviously, water is another area we work very closely on. Some of our smart city and our incubator labs are on water. A uh, very precious resource when you're in the middle of uh, a desert. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So, so your focus is to is starting to bring bring companies to Vegas, right? And so provide that infrastructure, uh, incubators, et cetera, et cetera. But on the smart city front, you're not. You how much have you actually implemented? So we've. Been um, you know, the private 5G network is one smart city tool we've implemented. Um, that's going to hopefully reach over 5,000 students. Um, and it's not something we're going to go away from because um, school, whether they go on-prem or they, you know, they still need access at home. Um, as far as intersections, we've done 97 intersections with 5G and um, DSRC, which is direct short range communication, allows um, a vehicle to communicate with our signalized intersection. So they know when the light is gonna turn from red to green and vice versa. So it kind of paces traffic. Um, so we've done, you know, we've some things to scale. So we've not just done small, you know, a block or an area, we've done several blocks um, incorporating the downtown area. Um, and we do that, you know, a lot of it, people go, well, why do you do all that? Well, part of it's CES, we have a ton of autonomous vehicles coming in and they wanna drive. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have this infrastructure uh, set into place. Uh, the other one is we've uh, designed uh, five smart parks and we're getting ready to launch 10 more. Um, and our smart parks, you know, provide the normal things, wireless, Wi-Fi, and, and some of those. But we're also using intelligent systems um, cameras that are able to view the park. So if the park is closed at night and you enter it, um, in the past, if you would fall down or get hurt or have a, you know, no one would know you were there. So these cameras at night are able to pick up, detect you. Um, we don't store, everybody always asks, I'm sure you will too, we don't store personal identifying information. We don't take a, a, a facial scan of you. We're yeah. using more heat signature based. Um, and we've had some trouble, you know, rabbit ran by at night and it thought it, you know, computers are thinking it's a human. So we've had to tune, but you know, we're, we're expanding these smart, these smart parks initiatives to help um, one, more efficient use of our policing resources. Uh, two, allowing us to better understand how parks are utilized so that we can come up with better ways to engage the community, to use them more, or to find out what amenities they like and add more of those amenities versus maybe ones they don't like. Yeah, no, I love, I love the thought of not using sort of privacy busting technology because the first thing you'd think is, oh, facial recognition, we have to know who this person is and why they're in the park. No, 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 you don't really need to know that because like you say, all you really need to know is if there's a situation that needs to be dealt with, is this a human being? Right, that's basically Correct. all you need. So you can you can keep keep everybody everybody's information private. Yeah, the privacy is a huge issue for us. It's something, in, and we do a lot of transparency. So we have an open data portal. So a lot of the data we collect in these smart systems, we allow the public to use um, and create their own systems, and that hopefully you know creates more of an incubation 
um, and more of an enterprise, almost like, you know, you don't want to control who has the airplane. You want to give everybody that technology and let them improve it on their own. And, you know, we're not the best at, at a lot of things. So why not let the public and the private sector help us develop and, and help build a better community? So, um, but everybody's privacy is extremely important and, and we don't need it, as you've pointed out, we just need to know the ones and zeros, how many people have been there, when they've been there, what times, we don't necessarily need to know the who, um, because there's no benefit to that in, a, in our business analysis or what we're looking for. Right, right. So uh, when you were talking about housing before, I mean, is, is the housing all like totally up to like the, the uh, nth degree innovative where you've got like automated homes where it's all, it's all computerized or is it still like traditional? traditional homes um, still being built, but a lot of the newer homes, you know, are coming in and I've seen this in California and other states as well. Um, but a lot of builders, especially here in Las Vegas, are adding in um, a lot more automation. So there's homes that have Alexa in, in included, it says, um, wow. where they, and they've added a lot on the structured. I think a lot of homes all over have done structured cabling. Um, that's more pro, it used to be an add-on as an option. Now it's kind of a standard feature in a lot of homes. Um, what I've seen recently, though, is really amazing is um, light switches now that are Wi-Fi based so that you can, you know, automate, do more home automation um, seems to be bigger. Um, some of the things we're doing outside of that's kind of the private builder community. But on the other side is we're looking at printing 3D homes uh, for the homeless um, downtown. So we've been working with a few companies um, and a few different uh, educational institutions on coming up with how do we get the, you know, it's everything, it's always about the building code. It's not the technology doesn't work. It's getting all the people on board with, the, with change. Change is hard for people. So, but yeah. we're looking at some 3D printed homes. Um, it's a liquid concrete, a large printer, like a large format printer, actually will build a, print a house, a thousand square foot, anywhere from eight, we're looking between 600 to a thousand square feet um, in building a home. Um, in a fraction of the time that it would take us um, to do it via traditional means. Yeah, if you think about it, housing is one of those things that really could use a lot of disruption because we're, we're all in these 4,000 square foot homes that take forever and cost a lot of money. Yes. But then in, if you look in the rest of the world, there's plenty of pe people who like live in these tiny places, which are just big enough for them, but, and, and they're cheap. But they so we seem to have, have to have these you know, <laughs> we, we just need to bring some of that innovation here. And, and you're right. I mean, it's, it isn't the technology that's the problem. It's the human beings, you know, standing in the way going, well, this isn't zoned for that, or this isn't zoned for that, right? Correct. And it's, it takes time. I mean, we're working on working with, our, you know, the technology team and myself and a lot of the other leadership understand and, and are ready to move forward. It's more working with our peers and, and you, and safety is important with anything new, there's always concern and, and so, you know, I'm that innovative guy. I like to, when you said the crashes and, you know, certain things, I, I'm okay with taking some risk personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you're building things for the community, you got to make sure that we follow, you know, some, some protocols to ensure safety. Yeah. Well, I think it's a balance. It's a balancing, right? Because if you think about it, the code is there for a traditional home. Or traditional building. And these, these new things are completely different, right? The way you're enc encasing uh, conduit, you know, all of these things that might, might be a problem in a traditional home with wood and all the other bits and pieces to it are completely different in concrete structures, right? So it's all, it almost requires a completely different set of thinking, a completely different set of codes 
specifically for those kind of structures. Uh, do you guys have that kind of uh, thing going on? Or so we're talking about those. Those are these are the things that are scary. I'll give you an example. I mean, you have a three D printed home. When you would want to add in a traditional home, add on a room, that could be a six month to a year process. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, there's no, I mean, you bring the printer to your house and you could start printing immediately and add on a room in a day or two. So yeah. that's a huge shock to traditional building standards and how building mm -hmm. inspectors and things. So we're working through those issues. We're talking about them. Um, we're looking at, you know, what are the challenges with that? Um, but the pandemic has been helpful. Um, during the pandemic, we had, you know, we still had to do inspections. And so we were one of the first cities to launch video inspections. So mm -hmm. let's say you put in a new water heater. We actually could, we actually, you made an appointment online. We called you on your smartphone and you just held your camera and went around your water heater and we were able to inspect it and, and, and sign it off. So that's a step in the right, a very slow step, I admit, for government, but it is a step forward. Um, and it's going to, you will see, I think over the next year to year and a half, the construction will be the same way as 3D, as we do a couple models of 3D printed homes, um, Austin beat us to it. Um, Austin just did a whole little smart community. So we're going to, we've been watching and researching yeah, what they've done. Those guys are, those guys are tough. <laughs> they are, they are, they are quick. They, you know, Austin's a great community of innovators out there. Um, so they keep us definitely on our toes, but yeah, no. So we're learning from that and, and we hope to be up there and setting standards for the, the world. Very cool. Well, what you guys need is uh, to Uberify, Uberify everything. So it's like when I walk <laughs> past something that needs to be done, I'll get a, a text message saying, hey, come do this. We'll pay a few bucks. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, I mean, bring the entire community into it. <laughs> I, seriously. Well, look at sports. game. I mean, it's not a game. We're not here to talk about gaming necessarily, but sports betting. Um, all yep. the major casino companies have rolled out. I think Michigan is getting ready to go online with sports betting. Um, that's a huge market now where before you'd have to fly to Las Vegas or go to another state that accepted it. I, I would venture to say in the next year, year and a half, um, the majority of states will allow sports betting via a mobile app um, in some way, shape or form, which is you know and amazing. Some of that funnel back to you guys. Uh, well, the companies, if it's the, yeah, yes, it would. It would. If those companies are, uh, are, are Vegas-based, like MGM, um, would definitely be, you know, that would that definitely helps the economy. And it helps change Vegas. We're going to need more, um, you know, more programmers and, and more individuals in, in certain technology skill sets. Right. Very cool. Very cool. So where do you see things going in the future, like 10 years from now? Project your, head, your mind to... 2031. So where, where do you see your, yourself? Where do you see Vegas in, 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 in 10 years? Well, I definitely see Vegas as an up and coming city. And in, in, in 10 years time, I, I would consider it to be one of the major cities of the future, uh, mm -hmm. meaning it has future relevance. Um, I see the economy being very diverse here. I see the population being extremely diverse here. Uh, I see a lot of great things on the horizon. I, I, I do see it as no longer being seen as a gaming capital. That's what it's been seen as of today. I think it, it becomes a, an emergence of, of entertainment and technology, kind of the best of all worlds um, in, that, in that retrospect. Um, I do see a lot more of, um, I mean, the boring companies here. So I, you're going to see transportation options like you've never seen. Nice. Um, you know, we do have, right now, currently, we have the boring, we have a tunnel underneath the new convention center and Elon Musk's electric vehicles go back and forth. In 10 years, though, I do see the airport connected to the same tunneling system, same thing with um, downtown. 
um, out into the suburbs. So I see a lot of opportunity here for Las Vegas to be a pioneer and a leader um, over the next 10 years. Yeah, I myself said about that traffic problem. <laughs> yeah. When I go to Vegas, whenever I usually go when it's CES, and of course it's always nuts and it's impossible to get a, So have you put any, put any uh, thinking against that specific issue? That, that's, that's it. That's why we're looking at the boring company to bore tunnels um, between the airport. And there's a lot. I mean, you'd be able to, with that kind of a system, you'd be able to get off your plane and go right to your hotel because it looked like it's going to go from the airport to some of the major casinos and then to major destinations, which would include the convention center. So you may never, coming to Las Vegas in the future, you would never have to rent a vehicle or use a vehicle-spaced service you would just get off the plane, go right into the, the boring company's tunnel transportation, pop you up at the hotel. And from there you hop back on it and get over to the convention center. Um, and so it's definitely, you know, will help offload some of the, the roadway traffic to underground. Just again, looking at different types of options. Uh, I, think, I think above ground autonomous vehicles will also be a huge uh, impact in Las Vegas. You'll see a lot of those, um, just think of the monorail on the ground basically. Um, yeah. And so a lot of opportunity there. What about flying cars? You were mentioning, you were mentioning that earlier. I, I personally believe in flying vehicles. Um, and I believe in your vehicle doing work for you while you're at work, you park it, you know, it goes off and gets car a wash. It goes and delivers groceries for you. Um, I do see flying vehicles um, as, a, as a possibility in the next 10 years, um, personalized flying vehicles. I don't know how prevalent it will be, but I definitely think it'll be out there. Um, and so I, I'm looking forward to those um, options. Um, I definitely see connectivity also being more um, mainstream, where there's connectivity everywhere. We're not talking about connectivity like 5G and I'm making, it's just gonna be, we have connectivity um, mm -hmm. and it'll be at speeds and, and it'll be more of a commodity, less of a, where it is today, where you have to pay for it or you know, there's areas where we don't have any connectivity. So. Yeah. That'll be kind of, that, of evened out. Well, I always think that uh, flying vehicles are actually easier to build because there's less stuff in the air than there is on the ground. There <laughs> is. It's like, well, but it I, seems look, like there's a lot of focus on, uh, on autonomous ground vehicles. I see in three to five years my pizza being delivered um, via drone um, yeah. to my home. I mean, I, I definitely see that. Um, I even see package delivery at some, at some I would say, small scale but I see package delivery um, coming. So, um, you know, I, I, a lot of great, it's a great time to go through technology and, and all the changes. I started on mainframe. So just to see the last 15 to 20 years, uh, I can't wait for the next 20 um, just to see how things, you know, shape up oh, where they go. A lot. So is it, are you saying, so since you guys are the, are the government, are you saying that you've, you've sort of loosened, loosened things up so it's easier for people like, because I remember Taco Copter was like, what, five, six years ago? <laughs> yes. And it was like, oh yeah, Taco Copter, this is great. And then I don't know if it was a, a joke or, but they said that San Francisco wasn't allowing them because they didn't want to, you know, drones flying around and dropping tacos on people. And I'm like, Correct. well, we need to find a city where they will allow people <laughs> to, to order their taco. So we are a drone. So we are one of, I think, two states um, in the United States that have um, specific drone capability. Um, just like we did with autonomous vehicles, we licensed some of the first autonomous vehicles in the United States. So we do have some restrictions around drones that are a little bit looser than other areas. 
Um, and we're heavily investing in that as not just a city, but as a state as well. So mm -hmm. very excited. But no, I, I, I think I'm, I'd love to have a taco delivered. I'm ready to test it out right now. Um, <laughs> and I think you'll see that. I think in the next year, I, I'll go with a bold prediction and, and say I said it here first. I, I think in the next year, this time, if we're on this time next year together, we'll have food delivery in downtown. In parts of Las Vegas, you will be able to get drone delivery. Nice. Delivery. Nice. I would love to do that. But what happens to the drivers? They're out of work. No. <laughs> uh, well, you know, again, it's it's workforce development. Um, you're going to need people to repair the infrastructure that these drones are going to require. There's going to be drones that need service. So, you know, instead of driving a vehicle, you're going to be a service technician, possibly, or uh, some other skilled labor. So that's a challenge on government and the education system is we got to start teaching people to be prepared for the technologies of the future. Um, we have robotic bartenders. We've already, it's, the impacts are already being felt here pre-pandemic. Um, there's a bar at, um, at Planet Hollywood called Tipsy, where you go up to an iPad, you pick your drink, and the robot actually pours it and then slides no it down to you. Yeah, Tipsy. Oh, man, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, check it out. It's a great, um, it, it hopefully, you know, opens back up. But yeah, it's completely automated bartender. So those are the, you know, those things are happening. So, you know, people are going to have to reskill. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just there. And we got to be ready to help them. Yeah. Well, I have this, I have this theory that, I mean, it's like, a, a, there's a lot of futurists out there who say, oh, we're going to lose 10, 2 million jobs because of autonomous vehicles. But who knows how many millions of jobs were, that are actually going to be created, right? It's the same thing that happened prior to the internet. I said, oh, so many jobs will be lost, but, you know, we created way more jobs that nobody even like knew about web developers. Well, I mean, what was a web developer in, in 95 or 94, right? Yeah, it didn't exist, right? Didn't exist. I, I'm with you. No, we definitely see as new technology comes into play, there's additional jobs and economic creativity because a whole new industry is born. So, yeah. and a lot of the jobs that you know, a a driver of a vehicle, an Uber driver, you know, makes a set amount of money. But the jobs that might that as that goes away, the opportunity to replace it with something that makes a lot more money is is possible. So, because exactly. the skills are different, it's more about how do how do we as a community provide the educational and the training for these people to go from one job into these new skills. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's going to happen is that, and I've said this before, it's like uh, what will happen is that blue collar jobs will be compensated more than white collar jobs because white collar jobs can be taken over by, by machines. Whereas, you know, bricklayers and, and, and people who like clean out creeks and stuff like that, you know, that's going to be a highly skilled task. So right. those guys are going to get paid more than CEOs because CEOs yeah. just be replaced <laughs> with an algorithm. Yes. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So if somebody wants to explore more about moving to Vegas and what your facilities are like, what's the best way for them to, uh, so we have a website called innovate.vegas. Um, it's all about innovation. It's our has our work at home program on there. It talks about some of the projects we're running and some of our partners. I can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, easy to find Michael Sherwood in city of Las Vegas. It's there in big letters. Um, cool. Connect up, DM us, and uh, you know I'll get you in touch with the right person. But we're we're really excited about the future and really excited to get this pandemic and get everybody back to Las Vegas, yeah. having some fun. We've had a year of being caged up. Let's get out there and, and start really having fun again. Yeah, I know. I can't wait to get back there. There's a craps table with my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> there are several right now with your name on it. <laughs> There's no waiting. You come on out soon before it gets crowded. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you, sir. It's been great talking with you. Thank you. Pleasure. Have a Have great a evening. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.